Praise you, Lord. Glory to God. Well, if you have your Bibles, go with me, please, to the book of Romans. Uh, appreciate you being here tonight. As you know, we've been studying the book of Romans. And tonight, we're going to cross over into chapter 2. Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that we spent a few months on chapter 1? And it doesn't mean it's going to take that long every time, but I tell you, you just... If you weren't here last week, please get this CD, and we went word by word, and it's amazing that so many of these words were the same thing Jesus and James and others spoke, and we went word by word, and we got through with verse 30. So tonight, look at verse 31 in Romans chapter 1, and appreciate you coming to get the meat of the word. I want you to see here, it says uh, in verse 31, undiscerning, or the King James says, without understanding untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, those who practice such things are deserving of death, but not only of the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And we've studied this in some ways, but I want to just start in this next word so we can get over into verse 20, uh, chapter 2 today. But without understanding, now this is real interesting, I hope you're taking notes, or you could get on our website, or get the CD, or get it free on the website, but that word without understanding, I won't give you the Greek word, but it means senseless, foolish, it means without conscience, without understanding, a person without conscience, and let me tie this in with you, it means, listen to this, the word without understanding means a person who ignores experiences. A lot of times we'll say, well, you know, I learned from the school of hard knocks. But a lot of times we don't learn from past experiences. And we continue to do the same things over and over and over again. And, and this is without understanding here. It means a person who ignores experience. Well, I know where it got me last time, but you know what? I'm going to do it again. That's that word without understanding. It also means, listen to this, it means a person who will not learn no matter who the teacher is. Doesn't matter whether you have a real qualified or good teacher or not, it's a person who just will not learn. It's also a person who refuses to heed truth. Well, you know, I just don't believe that means me. Yes, it means you. It also means a person who closes the mind and his eyes to the truth. It is a person who rejects conscience. Just uh, not, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm, don't, don't say that. I'm, I'm not going to worry or think about those things. And so that's what that word without understanding. Now the word covet breakers. The word covet breakers means those who, of course, break promises or agreement, agreements. But listen to this. It also means being untrustworthy. You know, what we're going to see a lot tonight is the area of character. And God is wanting to build lives in this area of covenant breakers means being untrustworthy, faithless, treacherous, not truthful. It's a man who does not keep his word or promise. How many know we're supposed to be men and women of our words? Amen. So that's what this word here talks about, that, you know, I can change my, my word or my direction. I don't have to keep my word to you, and I don't have to worry about the consequences. Now, this next one I want to share with you right quick. Without natural affection... Astrogos, and this, this, is, this is a hard word, but it's where we see the world today. Without natural affection, 
It means abnormal affection. It means to be heartless. Listen to this. It means to be without human emotion. If you, all the other words we studied in, in verse 29 and 30 mentions adultery, fornication, and all these other things. But God is bringing in there people who live in the area of abnormal affection, heartless, without human emotion or love, lack of feeling or mercy for others. It's where you get abuse, verbal, physical, sexual abuse, uh, abnormal affections and love. Uh, someone who uses other people for their own benefit, pleasure, purposes, excitement, or stimulation. It's abnormal sex drive that's in this word without natural affection. In other words, I'm going to feel free to use whoever and whatever I have to to please myself. And you find yourself starting to get calloused. And then you find yourself starting to do other things and get soul ties and hurt other people. And, and many times through this whole study in the book of Romans, we found where it opens the door to where I'm not hurting myself only. These sins open the door for me to hurt others. And so when we get into this uh, without natural affection, it's so easy to just go into areas where we're not worried about how people feel. Uh, I, I, I talk to my, my boys and, and I try to jam it in their head that, you're always supposed to be a gentleman. And, and a, a lady's supposed to be ladylike. And a man is supposed to be a gentleman. And you're supposed to respect the girls as your sisters. And respect men as your brothers. And, and, and you've got to watch your heart and watch your emotions. And so this area uh, of uh, without natural affection is also where you see the open door for abortions. There's no emotions. It's just... Getting rid of something to get rid of something. It, it's also, listen to this, without natural affection is the doorway for abandoning. A father or a mother just abandoning their wife or child or a husband their wife. Because the affection and the emotions and the feelings are getting lost. It also uh, speaks of uh, uh, those who say, well, you know, you're just not my, my child or, or I don't love you anymore. And in uh, the Barclay commentary gives a study on this and this is the study it says uh, it is quite true that this was an age in which family love is, you know, this is a age where family love is dying never was the life of a child so uh, precarious as now children were considered a misfortune listen to this now this is talking about in the Romans day now when a child was born it was taken and laid at a, the father's feet if the father lifted up, that meant that he acknowledged, this is my child. If he turned away and left it, the child was literally thrown out. There was never a night when there was not 30 or 40 abandoned children in Rome. Even Seneca, the great man that he was, the great poet, wrote, We kill a mad dog. We slaughter a fierce ox. We plunge the knife into a sickly cattle, lest they taint the herd. Children who are born weakly and deformed, we drown. The natural bonds of human affection have been destroyed. And that's under the heading of without natural affection. This child is just a weight for me. So you heard just this week somebody abandoned a child on the steps of the fire station in some state. I forgot what state. Uh, I don't remember now, but... Excuse me? Yeah, right here in Louisiana, Havernon. Yeah, it, right. It was Channel 5 News, Havernon Parish. They just abandoned a, a baby. 
And, and, and so, so many people, many times will say, how can anybody human do that? Well, they've gone into that area where they've gotten so calloused of unnatural affection that, you know, I'm pregnant, so let's just abort it. Let's just kill it. Let's just, uh, you know, let's just give this child away. Or they, how can, how can uh, the teacher go with the child, as we heard on the news this week? Or how can uh, someone uh, rape that person or do what they do or just go across and kill somebody without natural affection? It's because this age is getting more and more callous to where you were desensitized. And that's what happened through music, through games, and through all these things. So we have to be careful of without natural affection. The next word speaks of incapable. Incapable of giving in. Incapable of being pacified. A person who is just not willing to come to peace or agreement. There's nothing that you can do or anybody else can do to make them happy. So they're just, they're just not happy. And then the last word they give us here is unmerciful. Which means without pity. Unwilling to show mercy. It's a person craving to have and to possess others regardless of their welfare. Craving to use others as one wills regardless of hurt and shame. Craving to satisfy, satisfy one's pleasure even if it means to hurt or even the death of others. What's important is me. It is the absence of consideration or the feelings of others. What matters is one's own pleasure and rights and not the pleasure and rights of others. And we're going to get into something in chapter 2 that Paul brings to our attention as Christians, as believers. But this is very strong for believers too. Because we can read these last three verses here that talks about the different sins and the different areas and weaknesses and the human and the frailty and so forth and so on. But it is so easy that if we're not careful to fall into that place in our own lives to where we're not sensitive about others' needs. And, and, and we hear about somebody who's lost everything and we don't even pray stop and pray and we don't feel the hurt or the pain or wondering what are they going through right now at this moment and so it's so easy just to get so absorbed in our own lives and and get desensitized for the needs of others that we're just as guilty as the verses above about adultery or homosexuality and we're real quick to point our fingers at certain other things but there's other things that we may be guilty of or may be leaning towards that we have to stop and take uh, um, uh, study and examine ourselves to make sure we're not following these other areas that we're not using people for our own pleasure or so forth and so on as we read tonight and then it goes on to talk there in verse 32 about the judgment of God and it says in Romans 1 who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them It's not only a sin to do it, it's a sin to acknowledge or to accept that others do it and, and not tell them that's wrong and that it's okay for them to do that. The Bible says in Isaiah 5.20, One to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Ezekiel 13.22 says, Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and strengthen the hands of the wicked, that he should not return from his wicked way by promising him life. And the Lord just keeps talking there about carnally minded to be deaf and a fearful and an unbelieving generation. I want to go to chapter 2 for tonight and, 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 and start on this study here. It says in chapter 2 of Romans, says, Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are, who judge. For in whatever you judge another one, condemn yourself. 
For you who judge practice the same things. Now I want us to just stop with verse 1. And let me just lay something down here. And, and this is, this, we're going to go deep on some areas tonight. Because, you know, Brother Sergio has uh, prompted us and encouraged us in the area of holiness. But there's also some other areas of character that I believe Paul is saying right on what he's been saying that we want to look at. And one of the things I want to share with you about the way this is written in the Greek. Paul was a debater. And when you read the word of God, this is interesting. I, I never saw this until reading this about Paul in this first verse here. Whenever you read the word of God, it's just not a, the man of God or the writer of the book writing something for us to learn. The spirit of God, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit while he is reading and writing that word is debating and arguing with what your flesh is trying to hold you to and control you to do. And the way this is written and explains it all in the Greek, you can look this up in uh, study books and concordances, uh, Matthew, Henry, and so forth and so on. What's interesting about this study is Paul is debating with an invisible crowd when he's writing. He said, I'm going to debate with you about what you're doing and you call right and holy. I want to debate with you and want you to examine your own heart that it's not just these sins that are wrong, but it's what Paul's about ready to call to our attention. And so Paul is a great debater. And when you read the word of God, remember that. Because remember the Bible says that the word is also given for correction and reproof. And so when we read this many times, when we open, the Holy Spirit may question us. The Holy Spirit may bring to our remembrance, you know, do you really believe what, the way you are acting or the things you are saying is right? Do you really believe what you are expressing as your desire and what you're asking God to bless you, but yet you're not living according to the word of God? Do you believe that is right? And so the word of God will debate us and thank God that it does debate us. Thank God that I have not been born again to be my own master, but Jesus is my master and my Lord. And so I have no rights except the rights he has given me to live according to his word. And this is what Paul is trying to bring home here. And he's talking about believers. Listen to this. He's talking about believers, and I'm just going to give you some of these things, that are, are so self-righteous that I'm, I'm going to read the definition in the Greeks here, that you look at all of these in chapter 1, and you look at the homosexuality, you look at the adultery, you look at the fornication, you look at the liars, you look at the abusers, you look at all these wicked people, and you go, oh, how horrible, how horrible, how what wickedness. And Paul says, but I want to debate something here. If you stand in a place of judging, and your heart is an attitude of being lifted up and prideful because you're not one of them, you stand to be judged even more than they stand to be judged. You are inexcusable. And Paul really brings it home about the wickedness of pride and being haughty. And I, I, I want you to hear, hear what some of the things say. And just let me give you this as a little background here. Verses 2 to 5 says that God judges according to truth. He judges according to truth. And his truth will never change. In verses 6 through 10, God judges according to deeds which will end up being eternal punishment or eternal blessing. He judges according to deeds. He judges without respect of persons. doesn't matter if we're a full-time minister or just a layman or, or a believer. All believers, he will judge without respect of persons. And then he will, the judging will be done by Jesus Christ, as you can see this in verse 16. Now, there's something here I want to share with you as, as we get into this tonight. Thank God... 
And Paul is not discouraging living your life good. How I many know we're supposed to be decent, honorable, people of faith, strong values, strong in standards, strong in principles? We're supposed to be disciplined, able to control our life. We're supposed to live uh, the life that Jesus has called us to live. Uh, we know what's right and wrong, and we live that way. We know how to behave. We, we know what we need to do. We need to be a good neighbor, an excellent worker, a provider, an ideal citizen. All these, Paul is saying, all these things are good, and this is who we're supposed to be. But look what he brings home here. This word judge means, it's the Greek word krino. This word judge in verse 1 means to criticize or to find a fault in another. It means to condemn and it means to set oneself up as judge. And so he, he, he brings some things home that I, I start examining my life. And, and uh, there's some things that I believe we need to examine our lives uh, that are, are going to speak to us tonight. Because it's not that, thank God, you know, you may say tonight, I don't practice any of those sins. Praise God. But how many times do I judge by comparing myself to others? Or maybe comparing my mate to someone else's mate. You're going to see tonight in the word of God that it is just as wrong to say, I'm sure glad you're not like her husband. I'm sure glad you're not like his wife. I'm sure glad our children aren't like their children. Paul says, you are as judged as being wrong as those who are living in the world who know that they're doing wrong. This is strong. And I praise God for this because I do not want to be a church where we judge people based on their past or who they are or where they live or what they've done. We don't want to be a church that's sitter. And he's, Paul is warning, do not put yourself in a position where you're going to end up being guilty of judging others. And the Lord reminded me that uh, when I was about 15 or 16 years old, I have a uh, a spiritual father that's been a part of my life since I was 11 or 12 and he would come through and spend some time with us and he's a prophet and he would minister to me uh, as a teenager and I was about 15 16 years old and he came through and uh, him and I went in the office like we did every time he would come through and he would minister deliverance and minister to me and he could he he, he could see right through me I, I always has still can to this day and he sat there and you know there was no gross text sin there was nothing that he was calling out. He was just sitting there listening to the Holy Spirit. And uh, he was saying, have you been having trouble in this area? No, sir. Have you been having trouble in this area? No, sir. He was calling out different things. And I was sitting there and he looked at me and he says, the Spirit of the Lord says there's one thing you've got to repent of. I said, what's that? You have said in your heart that you're so glad and happy and proud that you are not like your brother. You have said in your heart, I'm so glad I'm not doing what my brother's doing. You haven't told other people, but you've thought it. And it has stunk before your God. And there I was thinking God would be proud of me. I'm not drinking, not dancing, I'm not committing fornication. I'm living my life holy, I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm not lying, I'm obeying my parents, I'm tithing. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. And God says, you stink worse than your brother. Because you stand before me and, and, and y'all don't look at me so holy. Or are y'all guilty of the same thing? 
You stand before me like you are so perfect that you are comparing yourself to your brother and it's pride and it stinks in my presence and I will not hear the prayer of a prideful man. And I fell before and I just started weeping. I started praying. I started confessing my sin. Lord, forgive me for being prideful that I am not like my brother. I am not like this person. I'm not like that person. My God, forgive me for the sin of pride and haughtiness. And that's what this word judge means. It's the feeling of being superior, more righteous, more acceptable, and more better than others. Church, this is strong right here. Oh, I'm better than that. And maybe you are. But are you prideful that you're better than that? Are you thankful that God has given you the grace and mercy and rescued you out of what you were in to make you better than that? If I'm better than anything, it's only because of the grace of God. For me to say, well, I'm better than that, I'm only better because of God's mercy. God's grace. Oh. Listen as we get into this. This is something. God hates all forms of pride. It stinks before him. God cannot hear a person who thinks they're perfect. He says he resists the proud. And, you know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, you, you can meet a lot of people who live their life right, but many times their lives are not any better than anybody else's. Many times they're worse. And so I'm, I'm, I think and I challenge myself and I challenge you. You know people that, why can't they, that they say they can't get ahead? Why don't things get better for them? Why don't things change? I, and they say, Pastor, I live my life right. I'm not in any sin. And so Paul may be debating and let Paul debate me. Maybe I'm not guilty of the things in chapter 1, but maybe I'm guilty of the things in chapter 2, verse 1. Maybe I'm prideful that I'm not guilty of the homosexuality, or I'm, I'm prideful that I'm not guilty of the adultery or the fornication. Maybe I think I'm better than others, and maybe God is resisting me, not because I'm a sinner, but he's resisting me because I'm prideful, I'm, and I think I'm better than other people. He resists the proud. He resists the haughty. And that word judge means to think oneself better than the other. How many of Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Jesus gave us the example of the man who was praying. And the man was saying, I'm righteous. I fast, I tithe, I do everything. And he was just in there. And Jesus says, but there was the little fellow on his knees and he was beating his chest. God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And the other guy did none of the sins in verse chapter in, in chapter one, but he was proud because he wasn't like the one repenting. But God accepted the sinner more than He accepted the self righteous, prideful, that I'm not like the sinner. And when Jesus would go into a room, if there was the righteous on this side and the prostitutes on this side, Jesus would go to the prostitutes because He could work with them. He can't work with the better than thou's. But he can work with the ones who say, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner and I need your mercy and I need your grace. Judging means I am right and they are not. 
Judging means I succeed, but they fail. Judging means look at me and ignore him. Be careful, church. Look at me and ignore him. Look at me and ignore her. Judging means esteem me, but put her down. Esteem me, but put him down. All that is in that first one there that Paul is talking about. The word Jared there means approve of me, but condemn them. It's all rooted in pride. Listen to this. The word judge means be my friend, but don't be theirs. They don't deserve your friendship. That's all in verse 1. And how many times it's so easy to fall into that trap of being prideful about living good and being good. Thank God we are. But it gives us no place to be prideful that we are. It's by the grace of God that we're even saved. The mercy of God. So it's very simple that judging others to raise oneself and lower others ends up lowering ourselves and bringing us under the hand of God. It says in Matthew 7, 1, Judge not that ye be not judged. Once again, do not put down and put yourself up or don't think yourself better and put someone else down. All on that word, judge. Romans 14, 4 says, Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. Romans 14, 13 says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore. Look, just, just go ahead and say, no more. Let's don't. You may say, oh my, boy, you're stepping on my toes. Okay, well, here's the scripture. We're not going to do it anymore. We want to compare ourselves and compare our mates anymore to anybody. Amen? We'll never put anybody else down. Amen? Anymore. Anymore. Let us not therefore judge another anymore but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or occasion to fall on his or in his brother's way and then James 4 12 says there's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy who are you to judge another there's only one judge and one lawgiver and it's Jesus Christ it says in 1 Corinthians 10 13 all temptation is common to man I know the Bible warns us don't rejoice about being able to stand, lest you be the next one to fall. Because it says in Matthew 5, 21, 22, You have heard that it is said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, but whoever shall, shall, shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, Whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Matthew 7, 3 says, Why beholdest thou the mote in thy brother's eye? Consider not the beam in thy own eye. All teachings of Jesus. Romans 2, 21, 22 says, Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou, thou, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest, a man should not steal, does thou steal? Thou that sayest, a man should not commit adultery, does thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, does thou commit sacrilege? Galatians 2, 14 says, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew, lift this up, after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compel as thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? 
And then Titus 1.16 says, They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work a reprobate. So how many of the Bible is talking about the judicial system of the Word of God? And so this is just an area uh, that I just really thank God for to keep myself in check and to check myself and remember back when I got rebuked by the prophet at 15, 16 years old and Holy Spirit continues to rebuke. But thank God I'm not like that and God goes, oh, you just made yourself worse than that. My mercy is available for them. There's just so many areas that we can look at others and we can, we have all the answers. I'm guilty of having the answers. But I, I need Jesus to guide me and lead me in every area of my life. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 1 and 2, this is what it says, brethren. If a man be overtaken in a fault, tell him how he needs to be like you. No, it doesn't say that, does it? You thought it did, didn't you? <laughs> Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another burdens. And so you fulfill the law of Christ. Wow. Where do the blessings come? Fulfilling the law of Christ. Loving and being merciful. Not giving up on anybody. Not saying, well, you know what? There's just no hope for them. No, that's why someone paid us a compliment before church today. has been visiting the church three times now. Gave him the compliment that uh, he can meet the people from this church. And they're warm and they're loving and they're caring inside the church as they are outside the church or when you meet them. Now that's the highest compliment a church can get. That we just don't put on us our special Sunday go to meeting face when we come to church. But we're the same when we ran into wherever we go. And one thing Word of Grace does not want to be, we do not want to be a self-righteous judging church. That's why we invite people, and that's why I wear jeans with holes in them. Everybody's accepted. That's why people come here, and they come, and, and, and they stay. Because they don't feel like they're, they're being judged, and they're being treated less than somebody else, because they're not like somebody else. My God, we need each other. And we've all made mistakes, and we all need the mercy of God. And Paul is saying here, you consider yourself spiritual? Oh, yes, I don't commit adultery. I'm not a homosexual. Oh, I don't lie. I don't steal. I'm not after somebody else's husband or wife. You consider yourself spiritual. I just told you I don't have those sins. He says, oh, then if you're spiritual, then why aren't you restoring those who are in those type of sins? Why aren't you loving them and reaching out to them? And be careful that you don't also fall in the same temptation. It says in Romans 14, 1, Him that is weak in faith, receive ye woe. How many times people have to, it takes people coming to church for two years just to be healed from the rejection from some other church or church people that they, they, they met that they weren't received, they were rejected. Oh, I know about you. I know what you've done. What does the word of God say? Him that is weak in the faith, receive. 
but not to doubtful disposition. Don't criticize and judge. Don't, 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 don't be trying to make them feel like they're nothing. Just reach out to them and love them. And then Romans 15, 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. 1 Corinthians 9, 22. To the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. You know, for so long we've been taught, and, and the Bible says to honor the men and the women of God, but we, we've been taught that they, there's such a level and there's such this and that. And I, 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 many times, you know, I've even been criticized coming across as a good old boy and country and, you know, just like everybody else. But isn't that what Paul's saying? To be able to identify with people, to be like them. I don't have to make myself feel better in, in name or title or, or how people treat me. You know, when I feel good, I feel good when I know I'm loved and I'm accepted for who I am and I'm not being judged because I'm not judging others. Just being, just being who you are and me being who I am. My wife and I talk, you know, when we go over to eat at people's house, man, everything just has to be so perfect. Man, throw some clothes around. Let's feel, uh, make, uh, you want to make us feel at home? Throw some clothes around the living room. Let the, let, put the kids down. Let the dogs back in. <laughs> Give me paper napkins and put these silk things away. I don't know how to wipe my mouth on silk. I don't want to ruin your napkins. Give me some paper towels. Oh, but you're the pastor. No, I'm your brother. I'm your friend. I love you. I love you. You don't, you don't have to wipe my feet. According to Jesus, I have to wipe yours. You don't have to treat me like royalty. You're royalty. We're all royalty. He's not a respecter of persons. And I'm so excited about the image of church being so messed up and so ruined. I'm ready to see people just come in and be loved, be comfortable, feel safe in a safe environment. Because it says... To the weak, I became as weak. When I'm ministering and bringing people through deliverance, I don't say your sin. I say, well, you know, we, we have a struggle in this area. I say, we have a struggle in this area. Not that you have a struggle in this area. I'm not trying to point at you and say, you've got a struggle in this area. So we've got to cast this devil out of you because you're weak in this area. You know, you know, we have problems with our mind and we have problems in certain areas of our life. And, you know, we're working on these areas and... It's, it's we, not you. It's we, not you. We're not here just pointing fingers at all your weaknesses. Yours, no, no, no. We're here getting deliverance. You know, a lot of people wouldn't tell you this, but you know, the truth is, a lot of times when I'm bringing somebody to deliverance and I say, come out in the name of Jesus, it's amazing how, what comes out of me too. 
I, I'm just telling you. Come out of him. <gasps> Wait, he's <clears throat> coming out of me. Okay, come out of me too then. Me too, me too. Lord, deliver us. Deliver us. Help us. Help us. Mercy on us. So I could hug him and I could love on him and I could encourage him. Because I do love him. And I'm not judging him. And so many times on the sheets of the things are so embarrassing. And I said, don't be embarrassed about that. The father loves you and he's proud of you. Wanting to go the next step and get rid of some of these things. And get rid of this baggage and get rid of these things. But stop putting yourself down. Allow him to pick you up. To the weak I became as weak. And I, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Can't get over when people stop me and they go, Reverend or Pastor, thank you for talking to me. Why wouldn't I talk to you? Well, you know, some wouldn't talk to me because of who I am. That I may save some. Become all things to all men. People say, you grew up a pastor's home. You, they, they, they tell, you know, they, I've been told this all my life. You know, you, you never sinned. You never done this. You never done this or that or the other. Hey, you're guilty in one area of breaking the law. You're guilty of all areas of breaking the law. I need mercy just like you need mercy. Yeah, I might not have did the bars. And I not have, might not have been the run around. And not have mind did the drugs and all this other stuff. But you know what? I did the pride deal. That I wasn't bad like y'all. I'd go to church and praise God. I didn't do the bars like you did. And I don't know all the women like you know women. And I didn't do this like you did that. And God says, you're worse than them before me. So when I get with people, we're on the same level. We're all kneeling at the cross of Calvary. We're all kneeling at the cross of Calvary. And I plead his blood over my sins as you plead the blood over your sins. Mm. First Thessalonians 5.14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Uh, warn them. Don't kick them out the church. Don't tear them down. Warn them. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. That's the scripture. Where has that been all of the church's life? I see you still don't have a new car. I can see you're not a person of faith. Oh. You still sick? Well, you're doing something wrong. All these type of things. It says comfort the feeble-minded. Don't rebuke them. Support the weak. You know how we've supported the weak? Come on, let the weak say they're strong. But I'm not feeling... Hey, I don't want to hear none of the negative. 
Boy, that's really supporting the weak, isn't it? But can I share my heart? No! You better say everything positive and good or I don't want to hear it. I cannot sit among the scornful. James 2, 15 and 16. If a brother and sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Go in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? And James 3.10, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things are not to be. How many know we're called to be blessers? Amen. We're called to be blessers. You see somebody and they come in here and they're shaking. You hug and you bless that person. You pray peace over that person. Because you know what? They're trying. They're trying. Some try, somebody's trying to break a certain type of a relationship. We don't judge them. We pray for them and we encourage them. They're trying. It's not easy. It's not easy some of the things that we all different ones face in different areas. So let's try to encourage each other to make it instead of rebuke them and they end up quitting. Support the weak and the feeble-minded. Pastor, I may messed up. I hear all the time, Pastor, I messed up. I was doing good. Well, brother, let's pray. Let's ask God to forgive us. Let's thank God His mercy is new every day. Tomorrow is a new day. And let's, let's just do it again tomorrow. But what if I mess up again? Then we just plead the blood of Jesus and we pray for the grace of God and we continue to stay faithful to God and we get in the word of God and we do everything we know to do. But if we mess up again, we claim the mercy of God all over again. Because I tell you what, to whom much is forgiven, much is loved. And I just thank God that he loves me a whole lot because he's had to forgive a whole lot. And you say, I'm probably the worst one in here. Well, you're probably the one who loves God the most. Who much is forgiven, much is loved. And the older I get, the more I thank God. And I know y'all thinking you ain't old, but you know, 46 and a half sounds old to me. But anyway, uh, uh, older you get, the more you realize how much God is merciful and how much God loves us. And how imperfect we are in, in character, in the different areas. And if we're not careful, what Paul will say, if we're not careful, thank God, I believe in 100% holiness. Thank God for, for the message on holiness. And we have to be holy as he is holy. That is all the word of God. But there's also the other part about don't fall in the trap of being prideful of your holiness. Look what they're wearing. Look what they do. Look what they are. Look how they look. Don't fall in the trap of being prideful of your holiness because you're saved by the mercy of God also. So we don't fall in the trap. We have to watch our balances, brothers and sisters, because we get imbalanced. It's so easy to get imbalanced in our areas. And one of those areas is being prideful that I'm not like my brother or prideful that I'm not like my sister and prideful that I am holy, prideful that I have arrived. No. That just makes Jesus even more wonderful and more glorious and more beautiful. So when you come in this place, 
you see the beauty of the Lord and not the beauty of the people. And you come in this place, you come in and sense the atmosphere of a holy and a just and a merciful and a loving God, not super personalities or the charisma of a person. We come in this place, we come in the unity, into his courts, we praise and thank him for another day to worship his glorious and wonderful name and thank for his blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Let's stand. Did you get something out of this word tonight? Amen. Amen. And we're in chapter 2. <laughs> Took us six months to get here, but we're in chapter 2, however long. Father, we come before you, and we do praise you tonight. Lord, I thank you for touching every life and every heart in this place. We bow our knees before a holy and a just and a pure and a righteous God. And with us, it's impossible, but with you, all things are, are possible. So we thank you that we serve a God of the possible. The God who makes all things new, renews a right spirit within us, and help us to watch over our mouth and help us to put the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness over our thoughts, not to be judges, not to be lifted up, not, not to compare ourselves or others to others, but Lord, help us to see people through your eyes. Help us to be sensitive to their needs and where they are. Help us to be sensitive where they are. Help us to be patient and gentle, long-suffering. Help us to be even as you were, Christ. Help us to be loving and compassionate. Because, Lord, what we sow, we'll reap. So, Father, I bless each and every life here tonight. I bless each and every life watching by internet. I bless each one listening to this CD. I bless each and every life connected to these people here. And we pray mercy and grace and compassion. Even as you are slow to anger and you have not rewarded us according to our sins, help us to be the same towards people. Help us, Father, to see through your eyes at all times. We pray and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen, amen. and amen. Hallelujah. God love you. God bless you. We love you. Don't forget Sunday school. Sunday school has been going awesome. Sunday morning at 9.15. Make sure you're here. Church, 10.30. Uh, we'll see you then. If you need prayer, we'll be here to pray with you, minister to you. We love you. God bless you. Hug a neck. Tell somebody you're glad they were here tonight. We love you. God bless. Amen.